Hello and welcome to the show and Happy New Year to all of my wonderful listeners. And yes, that includes you. In 2022, this podcast went from strength to strength and I'm glad you're all sticking with me for a fabulous 2023. Now, if I can just lower the mood a minute, I recently found out that a leadership coach who helped me through some hard times and level up my career is suffering from late stage cancer and her friends are trying to rustle up some money to help her form some lasting memories with her young child. If you feel like donating, check the link in the show notes and let's see if we can't help her do just that. And for me, thanks Tracy for everything that you've done for me. All right, back to an episode where we ask ourselves, is it time to take our product international? What does that even mean? How do we know where to start? What mistakes can we avoid? And why do I keep picking on Albania? Well, my guest tonight has answers to most of those questions and more, so stick with us on One Nighted Products. So, my guest tonight is Tui Tui Tan. Tui Tui is an international growth advisor, culturalization strategist, author and speaker who says she hates self-centeredness but loves finding out people's stories, which makes me wonder whether now's the time to start reciting my memoirs. Tweet Tweet loves discovering new things and places and has visited 48 countries before settling in the west of England, but she's taken her global passion into her consulting work as an internationalization expert and says she wants to help bring you closer to your global customers and deliver what your local users want, need and deserve. Hi Tweet Tweet, how are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am fine, COVID aside, but let's hope that my voice holds up. But first things first, you are a director, international growth advisor and culturalization strategy expert at Bayo Global which claims that it brings you to your global customers from stories to insights to propositions, which sounds very important and very exciting. But what problems are you specifically solving for your clients? What problem? So mainly actually to focus on how they can grow and also to be closer to their customers in different markets. So understanding what their customer wants and the local context and the history of the countries and the political situations and economy and because all those is going to influence how local users behave so it's kind of understanding those insights and contexts and then say okay what does that mean to the business and how the business actually provide what the users want and need and could afford and then start growing the business from there that's interesting this thing about politics and history and all of that stuff because that's something that's certainly in the rich overprivileged west that we seem to be quite bad at actually understanding most of that stuff. So do you find that the people that you're dealing with have a high appetite to do that kind of cultural work rather than just wanting a really quick fix to get into X country? Like, is there an appetite for them to start to understand properly what is behind some of these countries and the cultural decisions that are made? I'm lucky in a way that most of my clients that I work with actually have a sense of, oh, we need to grow, we need to understand what we should do. And in that sense, Different clients have different level of understanding in what that means. And so some clients quite mature to our businesses and they're quite mature in, okay, we need to dig deeper and understand what that means. Some organizations might be, it's not like they're ignorant about that because otherwise they wouldn't have come to me in the first place, but they just yeah. need a bit more guidance in terms of like what we should look into. It's not just about the language and it's not just about what is out there and how people are using things or doing things uh, using my products. So yeah, they just need a bit of guidance in that. So for organizations who want a quick fix and just do this and move on, normally that <laughs> wouldn't, I think that collaboration wouldn't have happened. 
yeah. Fair enough. Gives you a certain uh, level of quality assurance right there. But what sort of companies are you doing it for? Is it mainly big companies? Is it small to medium companies? Like I'm assuming that startups generally don't try and go big quite so soon before they've even got product market fit. But like, what's your sweet spot for the type of client that you take on? It's a mixture, really. So I work with a lot with um, big companies like Spotify, and I have worked with them for more than 40 countries now. Oh, wow. In different teams and looking into different elements of the business. Some is pre-launch, what we should look into. Some kind of like we're growing quite well. We want to see next steps. Is, and some is just like we're not doing as well. We want to see what we can do better. But I also work with startup as well, like VC as well, to kind of look into how to think about growing their startups even before they start thinking about going to the new countries. Because there's one actually one issues or one mistake that actually a lot of startups or business owners made is that they think, oh, I'm not ready. I'm just doing one market at the moment. I just want to grow it. And then once I'm ready, I will come to you and then we will talk about <laughs> it. But it's a very, it's kind of, it's a, it's a mistake in some way because sometimes you need to start already thinking about, okay, when I'm ready to launch, what does that mean? You have to think ahead about how to create your business propositions, business product, how you build your business, thinking ahead about how easy my product to be adapt in the future, how easy my business is going to be adapt in the future to different markets. So if I can give you examples. Oh, please. So one, I was working with a VC and a startup for medical related service, but it's more focusing on supporting parents or parents-to-be from the point that before they get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, to go through into pregnancy, and then two years after pregnancy, this kind of support and information and things like that. Yeah. So they knew they are going to go into new countries in the future, although they focus on the UK first. But they were trying to kind of see how they should position their products, how should they present their information and the insights um, that they have. So they were saying, well, one option is to just launch what they think is right for the UK market and then wait until they need to launch to other markets. Then they do, res- they, they kind of understanding, do research in other markets and see what does that mean. Or the other other options, which they luckily they go for is to kind of say, okay, we actually knew we are going to launch into new market in a year or two year time. Let's prepare for that. So what we did actually, we found out that when it comes to medical, it's not just purely providing information for one market, and that is it. But actually, it's depending on the medical system in different countries. Like in the UK, you actually don't go into see midwife after a few months. But actually, in other countries, the set is different. The terminology they use are very different from one country to the others. And also, you have to think about cultural elements as well. Like other culture have traditional elements that they have to think about oh i brought up my kids this way which is not very scientific and why do i have to change <laughs> you know like all these kind of different products how you can position your products and design your products so that actually needs to be thought ahead before you even ready to launch on the market so the earliest you think about how you can adapt to new market in the future the better it is otherwise you might actually risk the have the risk of have to rebuild everything from the back end 
to the design or your proposition might have to completely change and to adapt from one market to the others. But that's really interesting because one thing that that brings to mind is like how early is too early or like how to avoid over-engineering your product. So I completely agree. So for example, I've worked in places where all of a sudden we've had to kind of emergency rip out all of the old, for example, language from a particular application or website and make it translatable, localizable, which obviously isn't the whole thing. There's lots of other things that you have to worry about too, but like the bare bones of just being able to have an app that's in the language that you're going into and an app that just wasn't at all set up for that. So like, then you get to that kind of emergency, rip it all out, put the new stuff in, and it's all a big effort to get that done, but then hopefully it works from that point onwards. Yeah. But there's also a kind of, uh, the flip side as well, you don't want to over-engineer it too soon because obviously then you're spending time on things that may never come off so is there like a real fine balance between making sure that you're prepared for the future and that you're thinking ahead but not spending so much time building stuff that may never actually come to pass yeah no that's very good point i'm not saying that i don't think you need to kind of put a lot of money or invest a lot of time into kind of like what does that mean if we have five markets and uh, three markets you know <laughs> it's more like having the mindset and think ahead like okay well this decision we're going to make now going to be easy for us to adapt in the future yeah so take an example of the back-end build right so ideally you want to have one framework that you kind of be able you want to build a framework where you'll be easy to kind of plug in and out adapt modular setup right so that you can say okay yeah for payment methods in the future we can just change the payment methods easily or for the content that we actually build we are going to make it easily to adapt to different markets in terms of how we put in information for different markets the same module we can change the content and things like that yeah so even things like that you you have to consider on that sense so Years ago, I was working with Merit International Hotel as well. Like they were one of the company who big company who many like for even fourteen, fifteen years ago, they already start thinking about internalizations. So, but even when we start going through different countries and understanding what we need to change to adapt and and scale as well, we start to realize that actually the the way that the system has been built is really hard to adapt to different countries. So it takes them a lot, many many years to kind of change. A bit because the framework is old and it has been used. Imagine like um, you have to change for so many countries; it becomes even harder. So it's more about having the mindset and keep an eye and put um, bear in mind like all the things you have to questions like will that easy to adapt in the future and um, what do we know need to know now so that we don't have to rebuild everything um, from the very beginning. So what you're saying is people need to actually have a strategy, which is something that not everyone has, but hopefully some people will be inspired to make one. But international growth is something that a lot of companies seem to want. I think, as we touched on already, some of them seem to want it maybe a little bit too early, or maybe we could be charitable and say that they're thinking ahead. But what are some of the things that, in your opinion, need to be in place, like on the ground level, bare minimum requirements before a company even considers actually going international rather than just planning for it? So there are a few things that you need to look into. So one is like whether or not that you are actually, well, first of all, is are you, you have the products in your home market and hmm. how does that doing and how does that grow and do you understand enough on that? And when you're ready to launch in a new market, you are figuring out like what is the next market I should go? Like is that 
is that to do actually I just choose randomly one of them or the most common one is to choose the English yep. versions of the countries like you know UK will go to US or America or, or Australia you know those which is fair enough to a, a, a lot of instances because then you say actually I don't have to localize the language and it's a lot of people saying we actually act quite similar, which is not true in many occasions. <laughs> um, or the other one is just like, let's choose a language that cover most countries like Spanish because it covers Spain and Latin America. And so once we launch in Spanish, then we, we are fine with all these markets already. Yep. So that is very dangerous way to think about things. Sometimes it could work, some, but in most cases, it's kind of a bit quick short-sighted um, decisions because it's not just about language like for example like let's take french so french you can say okay i have french ready so i can cover france switzerland and also canada for example but think about the small elements like even within this country you are using different currencies you are different using date formatting and you're using a lot of different things that you still have to adapt and you have to make changes to that as well so how I actually have a framework that I use with um, with my clients to sort of figure out what you need to do. It's more exercise rather than frameworks that you have access that you have to think about. So one one access is how much effort that you need to put in or how much time you need to put in or invest in one launching in that market successfully. And then the other access is more about revenue or how much return of investment you are going to get out of that. Then you kind of plot um, using whatever knowledge you have and then kind of brainstorm and together and say, okay, where do that plot into the this graph or this framework? And then you can make decisions based on that. Sometimes I will go in and question the questions that they, the questions they, <laughs> they have of thesis they have. They might say, oh, this is easy because it's... A, then I will go in and I'll just say, how about this? Have you thought about that? And then in a lot of cases, then they will say, okay, I haven't thought of that. You are right. It's not as easy as we thought. Or uh, they don't actually know how to kind of estimate the calculations of return of investment, like the market size, how to get in and how to break into that. So that is a conversation I normally have, especially for startups and to when they're about to launch as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the comments around the different types of English was a question I was going to ask later that maybe is a bit moot now. But this idea, like you say, that People look at America, for example, and they say, hey, they speak English in America, and America's huge, and we can just go there. Yeah, they've all watched The Crown, so they'll be okay. <laughs> they can just listen to our English accents, and it'll be fine. And, oh, hey, Australia over there, they speak English too, so we might as well throw that in. And, oh, hey, you know, various other countries around the world, they also, they also speak English, and therefore, we kind of get those for free. Now, I know that you've just touched on the importance of, for example, taking account of local currencies, taking account of local culture, but is there actually any validity in almost using that as an MVP? So for example, sitting there and saying, hey, I know that America does a lot of things differently to me. I also know that there's going to be a bunch of competitors that I'm not well positioned against yet, because of course, unless they're huge companies, I've probably never heard of them and I have to do a lot of research on that. But is there any kind of land and expand play there where you could say, fine, we accept those risks. We're going to do America anyway, because it's such a huge market. Let's just try and get in and then iterate from there. Or do you think that they should make more effort up front to try to 
adapt to that local culture before they go in? I would say the latter in most cases because because it's, there's a danger. Sometimes you just like, we just go there and then see how it goes and we start growing that. Because sometimes once you <laughs> make the dent, <laughs> it's hard to recover. Yeah. So you might come in and then you kind of like, oh, we are this market and we come in from the UK, for example. And um, this is how we're going to do it. And then people look at, get the, you might get the hive um, and then people say, oh, well, we check it out or kind of, but then it's actually turned out to be not the right way or something offend them or something that they just put them off. And it's really, sometimes really, really hard to recover back, um, even you get it right. Some companies manage to do that, but it's harder to do that as well. I think it's also the other point is also depending on what industry and what products or what kind of services that you offer. So in certain elements that you're right, in certain elements, maybe British or Australian or the Americans actually share a lot of commonality in certain area. But in other areas, for example, medical is different. For example, and finance probably is different or how people go about manage money is kind of very different from, from Amer- um, the UK. Yeah. So in that sense, then you know your product is actually very different and people actually be, use the, your services might be behave very differently. So then in that case, then probably not. But if you have very confident that the product you're using, for example, buying what you call the maybe grocery is quite similar to between the two countries, then you actually have a lower risk in kind of just launch and see how it goes and then start moving. So it's very depending on what kind of product and services you do, then your the level of risk you're taking is a bit slightly lower. And talking about America as well, for example, America is huge. And I was working with a health tech company as well. We went to Rwanda and Kenya and looking into like understanding how people manage health and especially TB, TB HIV and, and mental health as well. And then the same, the company as well have actually have a big market in America. And to be honest, certain aspect or certain area in America, people are living with no, they can read a low literate and they actually live without much of the technology and things like that. If you compare that, those areas and those groups of Americans might actually share a lot of similarity with, you know, people in Africa, for example, in medical, like they don't read, they don't use lower literature and things like that. So, you know, it's not like one as a whole. You just need to know your users and how does that compare within your uh, your service, uh, your industry. More research needed. And again, probably a strategy as well. Yeah. It could be a dirty word for some companies. But when it comes to going international, there are two main ways to do it as far as I can tell anyway. And maybe you can tell me some more if I've missed any. You can either sell to multinational companies, but you're dealing with the local office in your country. So for example, big multinational, you're in the UK, they've got an office in the UK, you chat to them and they kind of push you as a global initiative through their own organization rather than you having to go out to all these other countries. And then there's the other way, which is, well, actually, I need to go and set up a sales office and a support organization in other countries. And I want to go and sell to those countries directly. Do you support both of those models yourself? Or are you really optimized to one or the other? And I guess also importantly, have I missed anything? Have you missed anything? So as the, the, the third one is hybrid. So some companies actually do both. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> no, but you're just saying what is missing. So yep. some companies, actually a lot of companies, especially products, physical products uh, companies actually do most because 
in some countries, it's easy for them to kind of launch in those market easily and some countries they say okay we're not going to put a lot of effort yet but we just want to test the market yeah. so we go through with distributions and distributors um to do that and sometimes maybe the other option is collaborations so you launch together but you collaborations with any other companies so that you actually can push your names out easily so that's another option as well in terms of which one i work with most it's a combination, but although the weight is more on terms of those actually launch themselves, uh, because that's where they actually have more control in terms of how they want to do their business, how do they want to grow and strategy-wise. And some companies, actually, when I work with them, um, they are in the stage of kind of start. You remember the hybrid that I would talk about? Some countries, they already have some. Yep. And some of them, they actually have some distributors or whatever, whoever to local to help them. They were in the process of bringing that back themselves so they can actually have more control. So I do work with company like that as well. But every businesses have a different stages in terms of where they are. Yeah, that makes sense. But one of the cons that I've seen of that local office approach is that you end up getting dragged into markets that might not be that promising, but you're kind of getting forced into them by that one big customer that you always do everything they say. So you're working for a big customer as a SaaS organization, for example, and they say, hey, we've got an office in, I don't know, Albania or somewhere like that. And you can't sign the deal unless you've got Albanian versions of your app and Albanian this and Albanian that. Now, I've got nothing against Albania, but it may well be true to say that Albania isn't something that any of my other customers want. But at the same time, we have a big customer maybe threatening not to renew because you don't have Albanian because that's important to them. So do you feel that that approach leaves you kind of chasing your tail a little bit and kind of not in control of your own destiny if you're being kind of bullied by big whale clients that kind of almost drive your internationalization roadmap? Yeah, actually that reminded me of an, another incident where I have a startup as well, not by, not by those com- like big company that they're involved, but it's more by investor because the investor actually have a connection, uh-huh. <laughs> have a connections with um, a certain country. They say, okay, we want you to launch in that country as well. So yeah, that is common. Actually, don't have a lot of clients in that situation as much. Yeah. But yeah, I think to have a, well, the reason they don't, we shouldn't go for that route is kind of like because you have lack of control. I think in that sense as well, if you want to launch and you actually, those countries, like you say, it's a smaller market that you don't, then maybe to, because it's an investor's request or is it because of your partner request, then you might have to do it then you could actually go in a small soft launch yep. to do the minimum in the sense of like, actually, I know it's going to work and see how it works in that sense. Unless the market that they want you to go into is a big impact market, like huge market, um, China, India, or Indonesia, wherever, that you know actually there is a potential of doing um, well. So maybe maybe you want to launch in that market eventually, but not right away, but you were actually asked to do that. Maybe actually it's good to look into like the opportunity. Maybe it's, it's right. It's okay to kind of focus on that market first and see what you can do to kind of launch it and then see how you grow from there and then reprioritize your market as well. So I think it's based on the sense of which markets that you are kind of not forced, but you kind of <laughs> be asked politely to get yeah. into. Strongly asked. <laughs> but. The alternative option then is, of course, going out and setting up your own offices. For example, let's say 
again, maybe we we'll go to Albania. Maybe Albania is the big one, and we're going to go there, and we're going to set up an Albanian office and set up an Albanian sales organization and an Albanian support organization, all of that stuff. But you're basically setting up a new company at that point, like a local satellite office, but it's a local company that you have to set up and staff to support everything in that market within the confines of your business. So do you feel that that's a strong play for a startup, like that they should go and do that, or that it's much better for them to, for example, go and partner with a local company and effectively use those as a channel to get to market, but not have to set everything up themselves? Would you prefer personally to get partnerships going, or do you think that that company play is a good one? Yeah, I think, again, it depends on like what type of company you are. So the first one I can think of is that if you're thinking about you need to launch in that market, like I don't think you need to go full on right away saying, let's set it up. We have marketing, we have salesperson, we have designers. We have <laughs> if we are talking about digital services first, like you could actually launch from anywhere as long as you kind of like understand the market and then kind of set your pricing right, set your propositions right and set, so on. You can launch even from afar, right? Yeah. Until you get a point that you say, okay, let's understand where the market is and everything. Then we might need a sales, uh, a few sales or marketing person in that market. Then you can start working on that directions. I don't think any organization, even, even I remember working with Asana with their Japan market, even as big as them, we will actually will start kind of like, okay, launching what design new product and then also look into, okay, what resources we might need then and t- look into that in a steps by steps way, not just like full on throw everything out, just recruit a full team. So I would say like go for that options first and then rather than go straight say we full on or actually we get a partner because getting a partner, like you say, there's a down the line effect on sometimes it was good because they help you to get your products out, your service out and everything, but you actually lost some control certain area as well. Yep. So you might as well just do it by yourself and when you need a partnerships to launch like for example you need a partnership on that's like, for example spotify always look for partnerships on looking into like devices or you know game consoles and things like that then you can look into those kind of partnerships you don't have to go awful on take my company run my company in a local <laughs> because then you will lose a bit of control and um, down the line got to keep control but speaking of control, I mean, are there any markets that are particularly difficult to cater for? So for me, for example, China was always a country that caused me to look twice because obviously they have the Golden Shield project, the Great Firewall of China that's sitting there between them and the rest of the world. There's a lot of local legislation that you have to comply with. You have to get your content provider license, all of that stuff. It was just harder. So aside from that one, are there any other markets out there that you look at and say, oh, goodness, that's going to be a big one? And like that you need to have a lot of a run-up to do it or are most countries kind of okay to get into as long as you know basically what you're doing i I always go back to the things that it depends on your product and services that you provide (laughs) because it depends on your how people are going to use your products right or how legally tight or strict the country is like for example medical might be like finance might be a very legally every country will be very different but you are just a consumer product, which is quite easy to get into. Then you are looking into different type of challenges to identify which country is harder to break into. So yeah, so that is kind of like the sense of what products, how people behave and do that. Like in certain countries, maybe it's harder because like um, learning about kids, learning for kids, learning English or, you know, thing. 
So in certain markets, it's not just mom, parents or school, but actually do you have tuitions and you have school on certain areas that you have to look into. So you might want to feel like actually your target users group is actually very spread out now. That might be harder for you to get into competitor as well. Some countries actually in certain areas, everyone was like, you have a lot of competitions in that market. So then you might want to say, actually, that market is not as easy to go into for your products. But for other products, that is a no-brainer to get into. So I think it's thinking about what your products and how, how people interact with your products, how the government and legislations actually look into that product and to see what. But like you say, China is a special one. <laughs> it's harder because they have their own products. They have firewall wall and things like that. So yeah, in that instance, that's why a lot of companies actually don't not going into it yet. So what's the most difficult market that you've gone into for a particular client? You don't have to name any specific names, but like, has there been like one that sticks out in your mind as well? Oh, that was a really hard project and I'm glad that's finished. Well, hard projects to finish. I think that is a, could be due to different reasons, but not just because it is a hard market to get into. (laughs) I think overall, Let's think about, uh, so some, it's hard to get into. So at some market, it's just really hard to break. So we were kind of looking into Hungary, for example, for a, a client of mine. It's just like, no matter what we do, it doesn't seem to be they care much about, yeah, it's fine. You know, like, the, seems like the, the growth is kind of quite hard to get into for that client, for their products. And we kind of try different ways and, do several research and say, okay, what can we actually grow into that? It seems like for that kind of products that they're selling, users actually, it's kind of very basic needs. I don't need much. I just need this. Um, You give me what you need and that is it. Or I can use it for free. I don't need to pay. So I'm fine. No matter what you give me, I don't care. So in that instance, it's really hard for that market to kind of see, okay, what else we could do? We need to dig dive deeper into the content they actually look into or should we have partnership of what the things they look into or actually we're looking into should we target in the specific groups and then see exactly how they behave. Like for example, Gen Z, maybe we can just target on there and go from there. So in certain markets, it's actually harder to kind of break because of how users behave. On or certain times, it's because of the setup of the medical setup or whatever. It's just really hard to get into. Um, you just need to take a lot more time to break into. Right. So that's interesting then, because another question I was going to ask and seems very apt at the moment is like whether there's been any situations where you've had to recommend basically cancelling or pulling out of a market because the effort of going in, the internationalization efforts that you're going through, they just weren't working out. There was something that came up that didn't come up earlier and you went a certain way down the line and it looked okay, but then it started to look bad and you decided it was time to to maybe come back and maybe not go into Hungary or Albania or China or wherever it was. Like, once you're going in, is it important to, I don't know, for whatever reason, to save face or to justify your sunk cost to kind of keep at it and try and make it work? Or are there some really good reasons to just get out? And have you ever recommended any of those reasons? So... Yes, of course. Like, uh, I, I don't, we, we actually, fortunately, my client, we actually never have to do that, um, in most instances. But we do question sometimes, like, how much more effort we need to put in that, in that. But normally when that happens is when they need my help, they kind of bring me in. So it wasn't <laughs> like I was 
the whole way through with them. So yeah, so when they have that issues, then they will bring me in to say, actually, should we continue this market or should we put this market on hold or just let it run as it is and but focus on the other markets. So I have encountered that with actually two clients when they brought me in, they are in these situations and startup, kind of like mature startup as well. So yeah, so in that instance, we actually have to kind of make a decision Like we look into a lot of things, look into data, look into the amount that we kind of look into, forecast what is going to happen and what else needed to do. And then from my experience as well, um, what are the efforts that is needed to do to kind of make that call together in terms of what we should do? I kind of list out all the, the possibilities. Sometimes it was, it was like, do you want to sell it to or kind of rebrand it? Or, you know, there are a lot of different ways that we can go ahead with that. But yeah, it's a matter of fact, uh, a matter of things that we have to just look into different areas and make decisions and together as well. All right, sounds good. But I've got some actionable insight time. If you're an ambitious CEO or, I don't know, VP of product or marketing or chief commercial officer or whoever it is that's looking at this stuff and you're curious about expanding out, what's the first place to start? I mean, apart from hiring you, what's one thing that the company should do to start to get things moving properly and start to move in the right direction? I think to have a certain understanding internally about what you know about the markets you want to get into the op- or the country's options that you actually have in mind so it to understand like what we know already what we think is hypothesis what we think is fact because we know already what else that we can pull together and everything to make decisions because even eventually you kind of come to me I will still ask the same questions about what else do you know and I will be asking more questions prompting what they don't know already or challenge some of the things they do them having that kind of insight internally and kind of knowledge internally that is kind of useful to exercise to do anyway to kind of see what they need to do or what kind of knowledge that they feel that they are lacking because sometimes awareness of being admitting like actually we put our hands up we don't know much because we never done this before that is actually a good exercise to do as well you know (laughs) (laughs) because some people would just like well we know it we just like we heard about someone talking about that or we know we see this so being aware and admitting that actually we don't know much, yeah. uh, we're happy to be open-minded about um, what to do. Um, that is actually one thing that's good to do as well. Is there some kind of canvas or list of key questions that you could point people to as a kind of starting point for that? I mean, obviously, it's not going to do all of the job for them, but like just something to get them into that right mindset. I think the the thing that framework that I was talking about, like which countries to look into, is kind of good questions to ask, like what kind of effort or Okay, it's just for, for what do we know about these markets first, right? And what hypothesis we know and everything. Yeah. And then use those insight or knowledge that you think you know to kind of populate like, okay, how much effort we think we might need it? What kind of missing information that we don't think we know to know the efforts and the money and the investment that we need to put into? And then also the questions about what is the market size, total active users that you have get that and so calculate those kind of informations so it's kind of answering those few questions yeah to understand what they, that means and also where do you want to get to right like in terms of if you launch if you're ready to launch like what does that mean and how much growth you might want to kind of anticipate so that you can actually keep your business going so that is the kind of good questions to ask 
Sounds good. Well, hopefully we can persuade a few more people to ask them. And where can people find you after this if they want to talk more about market expansion, the ins and outs of internationalization, or maybe try and share some of their stories with you? So you can find me on my LinkedIn, um, Chi Tan. I think my name is quite unique, <laughs> so you can easily find <laughs> me. So yeah, get in touch, write to me saying um, you want to, the reason that you want to have a chat. I'm happy to have a chat with any, especially startups and VP of products or anyone to just even bounce ideas and see what kind of input I can get them. My website is bayo.global, so you can find me there. But I'm, or you can email on chichi at bayo.global. But um, LinkedIn is the best place. Um, I'm quite active on there as well. well. There you go. Lots of places to get hold of you, and I'll make sure to link those all into the show notes. Hopefully, you get a few globe trotters trotting in your direction. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. So obviously really glad we could spend some time on some important global issues. Hopefully we can stay in touch. But yeah, as for now, thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much. Thanks. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com, check out some of my other fantastic guests, sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favourite podcast app and make sure you share with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thanks and good night.